Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Welcome to the High Vibration Living Podcast. I'm your host, Chef Whitney Aronoff, founder of Starseed Kitchen and High Vibration Foods. Join me for conversation where we learn about food, wellness, beauty, travel, and spiritual concepts for high vibration living. Only you know what your body needs. Let this be the reminder that you have the power to tap in and know the food, self-care, and spiritual practices that will best serve you. I will be sharing my knowledge and learning with you from experts providing insight into nourishing all the layers of you, the physical, emotional, spiritual, and etheric bodies, so you can feel your best and live your dreams. Let's get started. Hi friends, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Chef Whitney Aronoff, founder of Starseed Kitchen and High Vibration Foods. This is such an exciting episode for me because I love turkey, I really do. Long before I was a chef, turkey's always been one of my favorite proteins and I've always loved cooking turkey. And I cook turkey multiple times during the Thanksgiving holiday Christmas season. One, because I'm a personal chef, so I cook for my clients on those holidays, but then I also just enjoy it for myself. And so I always take the time to roast a turkey for myself and then turn it into a chili, a soup, a stew, a bone broth. I always feel like turkey is the gift that keeps on giving with all the meat you get from one bird. So I really wanted to dive into learning more about different types of turkeys, wild turkeys, how turkeys really live, grow, hatch, roam, all the things so I can be a more informed chef and more informed consumer because really it's all about being aware of what the real thing is, what the modern version is, and finding something in between that actually fits into your budget and your real life. And I'm so excited to have connected with the Kelly family and their bronze turkeys, where what they are doing in Virginia and in the UK with how they're farming turkeys is really incredible. And that's what you're gonna get to learn. They're really changing the way turkey is raised by going back to old world traditions. And it's not just how the turkeys are raised, but they're how they're harvested and stored and I'm really excited for you guys to learn. The Kelly family, they're third generation turkey farmers who have dedicated their lives to breeding the best turkeys in the UK. For 52 years, they have gone against the trend and they stuck to century old, tried and tested practices to produce wild birds with an extraordinary depth of flavor. And that's what you guys are gonna get to learn about is why poultry has flavor and what causes it to not have flavor. This year, the Kelly family is celebrating 52 years as Britain's most awarded turkey, Um, but most importantly, it's been 52 years of them providing wild turkey the way they are meant to be enjoyed. And the Kelly family raises a type of turkey referred to as the bronze turkey, and that's actually referring to the color of the feathers. They are wild, which is notches above free range. These turkeys are left to free run 
forage and grow slowly to full maturity maturity in the woodlands across three seasons, spring, autumn, and winter. Compare this to the average turkey, which is grown for just only eight weeks in commercial barns. And we are gonna get into all of that in this episode. I can't wait for you guys to learn. I think it will really enrich the experience you have on Thanksgiving and Christmas this year once you learn this information about turkeys. Paul Kelly and his family run turkey farms in the UK and in the US in Virginia at the foot of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Enjoy this conversation and there, check the show links below. You'll have everything that you need if you guys want to order a turkey, learn more about the Kelly Farm, even visit the Kelly Farm if you're in Virginia or in the UK. And cheers to a beautiful holiday season to you. Welcome to the podcast, Paul. I'm so excited, like I mentioned, to chat with you about turkey today. Thank you so much, Whitney. Uh, talking turkey is what I love to do, so I'm really looking forward to it as well. So I would love to know, since you're based in the UK, and we know turkey is native to North America, how did your family get into the turkey industry? Well, it's my father, actually, so I'm second generation. Uh, my father, who had his 93rd birthday this year, and he's still very active in the business. He, he was actually the son of school teachers, um, but he loved, far- he loved working on the local farm, so he went to Durham Agricultural University and started working on a dairy farm to begin with. But at university, he did poultry genetics. And so he was picked up by the emerging, the booming chicken industry, as it was then, uh, by one of the chicken companies. From a chicken company, he went to a turkey company. Um, and they were a big industrial turkey company. And he didn't, didn't like the way things were going. So he decided to start on his own in 1971. So that's uh, 52 years ago now. So um, how that's, how, that's did... how we got into it. Yeah. How did Turkey come to the UK? Okay, well, originally, well, all turkeys originated from Mexico, and it was that oh, the really? Spanish, the conquistadors, brought it over to Europe in the 1500s. Um, and it migrated up through Europe. And the first record in the UK, actually, was uh, in 1950, sorry, 19, in 1535. Um, a guy called William Jesse Thrussell brought the turkey over. But the first main record of it was Henry VIII. It was Henry VIII put the turkey on the spit at Hampton Court. And I've actually cooked a turkey on that spit. It was a great privilege to do it. Um, he, he cooked it for the royal courts uh, because the turkey was a more rare exotic bird and it actually replaced the peacock. The peacock was the bird of choice for the royal, for the royal courts, but the turkey took it over. It was a bigger, more rare exotic bird and it became the bird of favour in the royal courts. And then actually from... From it becoming popular with the royal families, goose then was the food for the peasants. And that if you could have a turkey, you were worth a, you know, you were obviously earning very, a lot of money. But by the mid 1700s, there are records of a quarter of a million turkeys being walked to London Smithfield Market from the grain fields of Norfolk and Suffolk and Essex. And they'd start that journey just after harvest in August, and they'd walk a few miles a day uh, just. Obviously, if they walked them too fast, too quickly, they'd lose weight. So they wouldn't sell yeah. them for as much at Christmas when they got to the market. So, uh, and then, you know, it, it just Turkey became more popular. The next big change was in the 1950s. And that's when everything changed from the bronze turkey here in the UK, as it was in the US as well, to the white turkey. And it was, it was only because of those little black feather stubs in the skin that it, it, it became unpopular. 
So what's the difference between the two different types of turkeys, bronze and white turkey? Well, that, you've got actually, like I said, every, all the ancestors, every single turkey originated from those ancestors in Mexico. And you get lots of different feather colors now. You've got, you've got the white, you've got the bronze, you've got the black, you've got the buff, you've got the slate, you've got the brown, the Norfolk brown, the Norfolk buff, the white. There are so, and actually every feather color is just a mutation of that bronze feather gene. So they were all originally were bronze and it's just a different feather color. So to, you can't really say a breed by its actual feather color. The breeds nowadays are really um, denoted by, by their growth rate. And there are such huge, vast differences in growth rate of different breeds and the way they've been selected. In actual fact, the modern white commercial turkey is the second fastest growing animal in the world behind the blue whale. It, uh, yeah, I know. Jaw-dropping, isn't it? <laughs> Interesting. Well, that makes me also wonder what's that doing to our health. If the turkey grows that quickly, it must have a lot of hormones behind it that's making it grow that fast. Or is it well, that it's just its genetics? It's, it's genetic now. I mean, the days of, I mean, you do actually, it's just amazing in America, there's still, there's, there are hormones in beef. They feed, which we find staggering here in Europe, that's allowed to happen. But I don't think growth hormones aren't used so much. It's, it's mainly genetic because, um, you know, to be honest, the industry, the, the poultry industry, chicken, turkey, and, and, and in fact, indeed, the livestock industry has done an amazing job at producing cheap meat. But in, in my opinion, they might have just gone a bit too far because so much of it now has lost flavor. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have those, you know, deep-rooted nutrients that were there from those traditional old breeds. And you can't pinpoint it and say it to everybody, but you know, you just, I just have a gut feeling about it. And I, it, it really upsets me as a turkey farmer that they say it's dry, it's flaky, it hasn't got any flavor. Um, of course it has. It's just the birds have been bred to grow so quickly, so fast, and they're killed at such a young age now, there is no flavor in them anymore. It's just a bag of bones. And, uh, I think if I can, you know, I'd like to explain an analogy that really does put it in, all in perspective that I use is it's just a, a physiology lesson, really, because there's five main changes in any animal that physiological changes you get. The first thing that happens is you get a blood supply and nervous system, then vital organs develop, then skeletal development, then muscle is laid down. And then finally, as we all know, at full maturity, you lay down fat. Yeah, those, those are the five main stages. Now, your average fresh turkey that is sold nowadays is between 10 and 14 weeks. Now, our turkeys, our Kelly Bronze, are six months, their natural season. So what that means is that, of course, those standard turkeys in the supermarket, they've got a blood supply and nervous system. They've got vital organs. But when they're processed at 10 or 12 weeks, they're in stage three of development. They're in skeletal development. They haven't laid all their muscle down and they haven't laid any fat down at all. So you're, you're and I always say now, what, what, what the industry is doing, they're, they're processing and harvesting turkeys when they're the right weight rather than when they're ready to eat. And there is a big, big difference. And that, that is why turkey has got this bad reputation now. And that indeed is why you guys dip them in peanut oil and deep fry them, don't you? And you baste them. And we do over here. There's lots of ways that have, 
the chefs have found ways of how the hell do we put moisture back into this turkey? Because what we've done is taken it all out. And turkey's quite a lean meat anyway. And if you take that nice. stage five development away from it, it's leaner than lean and it has no fat. And we all know, you know, must is mouthfeel. Must, I'm sorry, fat is mouthfeel. Fat is flavour. Um, so, you know, and I do. I'm a big preacher over here saying, guys, you know, we have this one day of the year, Christmas for us, Thanksgiving for you, to showcase our product. And you're doing something you really, you know, that isn't doing the, the turkey farmers of Great Britain or indeed the US. Of course it's cheap. And I understand that, you know, and of course... The farmers and the factories are under pressure to reduce price continuously, but that happens at a cost. It's, you know, something is sacrificed there, and in Turkey, it's absolutely eating quality. I'm sorry, I'm preaching here. I could go on forever. <laughs> it's okay. We're on the same team. I think food is nourishment, and so I think food is not where you cut corners in your life if you're um, on a financial, you know tightrope or budget. Yes. I think the way you nourish your body and your mind can create more abundance. So if you're cutting your costs on how you take care of yourself, but yet spending the money on sporting events and clothing and all these other external yes. things, you know, you can't thrive and move towards the future of your dreams if you aren't taking care of your vessel That's and right. food, food's the foundation. So if we all start eating delicious, nourishing food that's grown and prepared the way it's supposed to, everything else will fall into place in our life. And I think the best thing about turkey and buying quality meats that have bones is it's never just one meal. So you cook a turkey, oh. now you're getting bone broth, now you're getting soup, now you're getting chili. It just goes on and on. It's the gift that keeps on giving. And, um, and that's why I want people to better understand how to take advantage of the season that is turkey season because it's such a deeply nourishing food that connects us to this time of year. And it is only a season, you know, fall and winter, to be able to really enjoy it. No, absolutely. What you've said is absolutely right. But, you know, I mean, and, and Turkey has the challenge, of course, is people buy it and they think, I don't want a lot left over because the problem is what's left over isn't very nice because they've been buying this cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper turkey and it's a spiral down. It's a race to the bottom. And, and I, you know, when, when we started doing our turkeys and we were, you know, back in the, in the 80s, we were pioneers. We bought this bronze turkey back, this old slow-growing, because we did genuinely believe that there were people out there that wanted to buy something that was really good and really special, especially for Christmas Day. And I think the problem is a lot of customers and a lot of, a lot of companies, they use all the right words and all the right marketing mm -hmm. spiel, and they've got lovely packaging and boxes and work, but what's in that package and is in that meat isn't really within the spirit of things. And if, if you're going to charge a premium for something, it has to be genuinely better. Not just from a husbandry point of view, not just from welfare, not just from all the visual stuff, but the meat itself has to be more nutritious and better for you. And just taking, as you said, you know, if you take, if you let things take nature's course, yeah, it's not, it's not, it's a pretty good rule of thumb that that's going to be good. That is for sure. Well, we've talked about turkey season and how long you let your turkeys 
grow to maturity, six months. So can we talk about the season, like when they hatch, where they live, how they how they grow and live on the land? Yeah, absolutely. It's wonderful. Where that, well, like I say, we, we hatch our turkeys natural season as nature would normally, which is late spring, early summer. So that means the chicks are hatching when, when the weather's good. You know, when it's not going to be pouring with rain, it's not going to be cold, so the chicks can actually thrive. So that's when we hatch them. And then we keep them in a, what we call a brooder shed, which is mm-hmm. it's, it's a replica of mother hen's wing in terms that we've got gas canopy brooders so the chicks, the poults can go in and out of the heat yeah, and, and just and, and acclimatise themselves to being a, into a reducing temperature. And once we get to about five weeks, we can say what we've, we've got them off heat so they're not relying on mother hen's wing anymore that gas brooder, uh, and we can let them out into the woodland. And we're here, we started doing that. We don't use buildings. We grow them literally wild in woodlands. And when we started doing that in the UK, again, we were pioneers and people thought we were crazy. But it's a wonderful thing to do. And you can do that if you hatch the natural season. What you can't do, of course, is do these wild woodland turkeys if they're going to be hatched. If you hatch them in, in July or August, and let them into woodland when, in September, October. They're young little, you know, they're tiny little chicks, and you're going to get cold rain, cold weather, and they won't thrive. So you have to do it as nature intended. So it's hatching them natural season. They get released and in America. We're in Charlottesville, in Virginia, and we're just growing in the foothills of the, of the Blue Ridge Mountains, which is an absolute dream to me when I visit it. It's stunning. Um, and we, we take them right through. They're just growing wild. Um, we're obviously feeding them. We feed them a diet of maize and some soya and vitamins and minerals. Um, and then we, we harvest them in uh, beginning, end of October. And that, that's one of the things that we do very, very differently. And it's the, it's the way we process our birds. Um, and if I, can, if I can tell you here in the UK, the way we do it, we call it New York Dressed. This method of we dry pluck them by hand and we hang them as you would a pheasant, like a game bird. So never, never once does water touch that product. And I will tell you why in a minute. But I, in 2013, you know, we've done well over here and our business is growing. And I thought, you know what, our New York dress turkeys, in 2003, I beg your pardon, I'm going to go to America and see how it's done by, you know, the guys that have been doing this for years and find out more and learn. So I came over to America and with some friends and I was stunned to find that this old tradition of, of dry plucking turkeys, dry aging them and hanging them no longer existed in the US because, and I understand why, because it's very expensive. <laughs> you have to get a really mature bird and of course it's all by hand. It costs an absolute fortune. The labor costs are through the roof. But if you do do it by hand and you don't add water to any part of the process, then you can hang the bird because by removing water from the process, bacteria can't grow. So we just defeather the bird and then we hang it. You know, this is in late October at the end of the growing stage. We hang it and we hang it for two weeks in a fridge, just defeathered. And you know, the, the science behind that, the real reason for doing it back in the day in, when they were growing the turkeys in the Carolinas and putting them on the trains for the New York market, it was to give them extended shelf life. Because as soon as you put a knife into that bird, you know, the spoilage bacteria would set in and you, you, you're in a race then, you've actually got to get it cooked. So they would put them on the trains 
justly feathered, and then you prepare them for the oven at the, for the oven at the very last minute. But during that hanging process, and people think that hanging is a bacterial change, the meat's going off. It's not. It's an enzyme change in the meat, and it's just a breakdown of the collagen, yeah, the connective tissue that's giving it tenderness, mouthfeel, and flavor. So during that hanging process, you get that, and because we don't use water, we can dry age them. And that, again, brings an awful lot of quality to the meat. And that's, I do say to people, you know, what's, what's the best turkey? Is it free range? You know, one thing on its own is just a tiny part of the equation. It's yeah. a whole chain of events to produce the perfect turkey. It's a slow-growing breed, hatched natural season, grown through all those five stages we talked about to full maturity. Then you dry pluck it and you hang it. That's the final polish that gives you the perfect turkey. And then we'll get on to cooking maybe in a minute because that's another... I can't tell you how to cook a turkey. You're the world's expert, of course, but I'd like to talk to you about it. <laughs> I always love hearing how different people do it. And I always challenge myself to try a new technique every year, but that's also because I just really love turkey. Um, and sometimes for the clients I work for, we do one turkey. Sometimes we do two for Thanksgiving and we obviously cook them two different ways. Um, but we'll get into that. What I'd love to know, and I'm sure the listener would too, is you know, labels are really confusing. No matter what type of meat you're buying these days, there's a lot of different labels and people don't know what to choose when they just want the real thing. They just want a healthy, real bird or piece of meat. Um, your turkeys are wild turkeys. Can you explain what wild versus free range means? Yes. Well, I mean, I say our, our turkeys aren't the real wild turkey you get in the wild we grow them in a wild way so they just actually have access to that wilderness like a wild turkey would a standard free-range turkey they they have a building a shed that they open the doors in the mornings they let them out and then they bring them in and shut the doors at night um which you know and, and we did that that gives them space that gives them access to fresh air and that's a great way of doing it but for me Again, I like, you know, like we talked earlier, I'd like to take things really back to basics and as nature intended. And of course, wild turkeys don't have little sheds to go into every night <laughs> and they don't get let out in the morning. They have that 24-hour access. And um, it, it, it came about, I was actually flying into London and I'm thinking, you know, I really want to take things on and move things on as a business and doing what we do. And uh, I looked out the window of the plane and saw all these pockets of woodland on these farms. I thought, well, wow, you know, that's a real wasted asset for the farmer. They might have a few pheasants in there and do a bit of shooting or something, but that wild woodland, a lot of it is ancient woodland, so it's kind of protected, is a wasted asset. We should be putting our turkeys in there and talking to farmers and we give the farmers extra revenue for their business. It would be doing a great thing for us as a farm because we can spread our farming risk and because, you know, avian influenza and all those disease is the biggest single threat to any livestock business. We could get these lovely little pockets of woodland and produce just wonderful small flocks of turkey. And so when I say, when you say wild, the way we grow our turkeys is wild, but they're not the wild breed of turkey. Yeah. And then you've got free range, which is what we described, a building with access to the pasture. And then you've got standard barn reared. You know, in Europe, they've got barn reared, and then you get the kind of just the intensive standard. And, the, and as I say, I'm a great, you know, 
I am a supporter of the industry because there's nothing wrong with the way they do it. It's just I really wouldn't enjoy doing it. <laughs> Hi, I'm Chef Whitney Aronoff. As a personal chef, I created custom organic spices for my clients. These blends are of the highest quality with no added sugar, MSG, caking agents, or any junk. I want you to have the same access to good quality seasonings, which is why I've launched my line of organic spice blends. High Vibration Foods by Starseed Kitchen is my collection of chef-crafted organic spice blends made with only good-for-you ingredients. I use organic source spices, ancient mineral-rich Redmond Real Salt, prepare the blends listening to Kundalini mantra music, then charge the jars with the quartz Giza crystals for a true high-vibration experience. You can now purchase my most requested blend, 11 Magic Herbs and Spices, on StarseedKitchen.com. Use code STARSEED for 10% off your purchase. Can't wait for you to enjoy. Let's talk about what they eat. Um, what do turkeys really eat when they're in the woodlands or when they're on a farm? What are they fed? What should they be fed? Um, well, they forage. I mean, in the wild, they'll forage berries and the different seasons they'll go through. Turkeys love soft fruits. Yeah, so they will go out and they will forage. They love nettles. Nettles, they just rattle through them, you know. And they love strawberries. I don't think in the wild they get access to too many strawberries, but I can tell you they love them. And they will just forage and they'll eat berries and insects and, you know, and all everything that they can do. They love grazing. So, you know, our turkeys can do that and they will forage on everything. We actually also feed them um, with supplement maize and soil just to make sure that we do get enough nutrition into them. Because when they're foraging, you know, they're, they're hungry all the time and we don't want them to be hungry all the time. Yeah, we want them to make sure they do have enough food every day to make them comfortable right? so they're not stressed because, of course, what we do want is that perfectly, beautifully finished turkey come Thanksgiving time. So what I, you know, I mean, a great thing here, and I've, it's, I'm trying to do it over in America. It doesn't quite fit well, but, you know, they love, they actually love Halloween and the pumpkins. And over here, I'm having a, this year, what I'm wanting to do, I noticed it last year because all these, People carve all the pumpkins. And you know what? What happens to the pumpkins then? Well, I put some pumpkins into our turkeys. And they didn't go straight for them. But once they started pecking and got a bit of, you know, got the flavor, oh my gosh, do they like pumpkins. So yeah, I'm trying to go out to the farm there. It's, it's getting towards the end when we'll be plucking them. But, you know, we want them to have a last, a final feast on pumpkins. That's going to be there. So all the village and all the town can bring their pumpkins to feed their collie bronze turkeys. It's uh, and, and I'm a great believer that if a turkey likes something and eats something, there's a very good reason for it. Yeah. And you will pick up flavours. And when we're doing all our taste tests here, the yeah. first thing I will do is roast the turkey. The first thing I will do is taste the fat. Because that tells you everything you need to know about the turkey. Yeah. It's absolutely what the flavour is going to be like and everything you need to know. So I would love to learn... How do you like to cook your turkey? I'm sure you t cook one more than one turkey every year. What are some of the different ways that you like preparing it for yourself and your family? Right, which reminds me, I've got a turkey in the oven behind me. Can I quickly go and turn the oven off? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I love that. I can't believe I did that. I might have overcooked the turkey. <laughs> so 
Are you right. doing a, a whole turkey or did you spatchcock it? How did you prepare it? Well, well, what I've done here is I'm actually, we're just doing some turkey, some experiments. We're doing some new product development and I'm just playing about with some stuff at the moment. But when I, I always say, there's no one right way or wrong way of cooking a turkey, is there? We all know that. You, you can make it as complicated as you want or you can make it as simple as you want. Right? And there's lots of things you can do, but the reality is the one thing that is key is the temperature of the meat that is the key to cooking it correctly. Now, you can be on, a, on a, a long cook time and a low heat, or you can be on a high heat and a low cook time, but the one thing I say to everyone, I don't, you cannot and you will not, I, do, I don't believe, get the perfect turkey if you don't use a meat thermometer. If you just do not use a meat thermometer, it takes all of the guesswork out of it, and then you can do as many weird and wonderful things as you want for preparing the turkey, but that meat thermometer and the temperature will tell you what's, uh, what's right. And that's, you know, with ours, with our Kelly Bronze, because we dry process, because we hang them, we don't have any Campylobacter, we hang the birds, so any salmonella that is in the gut, is, salmonella is aerobic, so it will die in the gut, so we don't have any salmonella, and indeed I... We have some Michelin star restaurants in London that have Kelly Bronze and they serve it tartare, raw. Oh, fascinating. Yeah, because we don't have those, we dry process. There's no bug count. You know? It's just like eating steak. It's the same thing. So our cook temperatures for a Kelly Bronze is way lower. You know, we're going at a core of, I'm talking centigrade, 60 centigrade, which if I'm right is 130 Fahrenheit, rather than... USDA and FSA over here, you know, they're 10 or 15 degrees more than we would recommend. Because, um, and you know, how do I cook my turkey? I just keep it simple. We're all, there's enough stress going on on Christmas Day and Thanksgiving Day without having to deep fry it and cover it in this, and marinate it in that, and brine it in this, and put stuff under it. If you've got a good quality turkey, mm-hmm. put it breast down for half an hour because the fat deposits are in the back, when it heats up, that'll go down through the meat. After half an hour, turn it over, and when that's up to 60 degrees centigrade, 130 Fahrenheit, take it out and let it rest. And you know, I, say, I do say put a bit of water in the bottom of the tin mm-hmm. because that will catch the juices. And as you said earlier, when you get that mature bird that we've got, you are going to get a great gravy and a great stock because the bone has got bone marrow in it and it's got carcass deposition and fat, and you'll get some lovely brown thick stock if you get a Kelly Bronze. If you've got that bird that's 10 or 12 weeks old, you're not gonna get a good gravy. And you know what, you're brining a bird like that probably is the best thing to do because you're gonna be taking 5% water up, and so you will keep some moisture in. Basting it all the time, you probably have to do that, but, and as that's, why all this brining and basting came about, as we said earlier, because they're killing the dirt, they're processing it when it's too young and it needs help. If you get a bird that is fully mature, plain roast it. That's, you know, two hours, an hour between an hour and a half and two hours in the oven and the turkey's cooked. How am I sounding? Do you believe me? <laughs> well, I do. Well, one thing is I've never used a thermometer. I've always used my intuition, looking at the bird, in calculating the timing and it's come out perfect every time, but I've always used the highest quality birds that I could purchase. You know, I've always tried to get wild 
turkey. So I'm starting with a great flavor base. So anything I do on top of it, it's just going to make it better. And I find wild turkeys definitely cook faster than your cheap store-bought turkeys. Um, So, you know, dinner gets to the table a lot faster. No, and that's right. You know, a well a, a well mature bird, and it, there's, there's science behind that because if it's because you know we talk about those five stages of development, laying down fat as the final stage, that has intramuscular fat, and fat heats up quicker than muscle tissue. So when you're cooking that turkey, the heat is being conducted through the bird a lot quicker than if it was a really lean turkey. So that is why they will cook quicker, and but that that is why I say to I mean. You're a chef, you know, and I, you know, I don't have to have a meat thermometer. I can actually take the bird, prod it, and I just know the feel of the meat just by. But for those people, a lot of people are only doing this once a year, and they're not cooking yeah. it day in day out, and they're a bit nervous, a bit anxious. A meat thermometer takes all the stress out of the job, <laughs> and it actually, Absolutely. it will tell you definitively it's cooked. And uh, another, yeah, you know, and it's and it make, and I say it takes the stress out of it. And when you tell people it takes the stress out of it. That's a big plus on Thanksgiving Day. It, it really is. And I, um, I always find it bizarre here as well that, you know, even what we do, every turkey that we, if you buy a Kelly Bronze, you get a Kelly Bronze meat thermometer with the turkey. You know, that's part and parcel of it. Yeah. Be- because over here, there's this big thing about turkeys. You know, if you eat turkey that isn't cooked, you'll probably die, you know, because, I mean, all the food poisoning, that, you know, that's the way people think. And they take it out of the oven... And the meat thermometer is telling them it is cooked, it looks cooked, it's been in the oven for about the right time. And then they say, well, you know, let's give it another half an hour just to be safe. Oh, wow. Yes. Well, you know, that's a disaster, isn't it? You know, yes. Turkey isn't a very forgiving meat anyway. And you take it over the top and it goes downhill very, very quickly. You get it to perfection and it's a stunning meat. I understand. Um, I'm curious because you're a turkey farmer, you've... You've cut open tons of turkeys in your time that have, you know, wandered all different forests in the UK. I grew up with a grandmother that was born on the border of Arizona and Mexico. So they ate wild turkey every year. And she always shared with me that, you know, that her dad and her grandpa would just go out and shoot a wild turkey and that's what they'd have for Thanksgiving. And that as a kid, you always wanted to be in the kitchen when they were breaking down the turkey because if you were the kid that was right by the turkey, you might get the turquoise that would be found in the belly because the wild turkeys would just, you know, pick up whatever whatever they could on the ground and sometimes they'd eat small little pieces of turquoise. So I'm curious what you have found over the years in the bellies of your turkeys. Any any fun little rocks, anything interesting that surprised you? Yeah, what did surprise me once we were once once we started to do these um grow our turkeys wild in the woods, you know, you'd 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 do this and once I mean at the beginning of the year, on the first woodland that we suddenly, you know, the turkeys got actually pretty bad diarrhea and I'm thinking oh my lord what's happening actually but they were eating all the cherries and they were just going through the seasons you know eating all the cherries now it got to Christmas and we were processing and these turkeys just absolutely I'd open them up and they were gorged on acorns absolutely just like the Iberico pigs wow so they were and that 
is another thing that I'm, you know, I have this wild and wacky thing. I'm wanting now to actually go out. And I'm just thinking that, how can we get all these acorns? We need a lot of acorns. Because, you know, if turkeys love acorns, I want to feed them acorns. But we haven't got enough ac acorns. So all those kids out there at school, they go out and they hunt acorns down. They pick acorns. They can come to the farm and we'll pay them, you know, for one wait for the acorns they get. And then we can feed the turkeys the acorns. Because that, you know, and that's, it's... It's lovely, and I, I actually, literally last week, just come back from Portugal, and there's a farmer I know in the middle of Portugal on the, on the Portuguese-Spanish border. He does grow his turkeys in the acorn woods, just like the Ibarico pigs. They grow them mm -hmm. in the acorns there. So I'm actually going to go and how and see how he stores them, harvests them, and actually how he does feed them. So, uh, yeah, so acorns was the one for me. I thought, I'm like, because they're big. I mean, they really are big, you know, that's a big swallow for a turkey. Fascinating. Now, people can come and visit your farm and see the turkeys? Absolutely. Yes, I know. If you just, you know, drop us an email. Um, obviously, I'm over in the UK a lot, but Judd's up, up on the farm in um, Charlottesville, and we love for people to just uh, swing by. We just do groups of people, you know, on fixed days that they can come and see the turkeys. Um, and no, we are. You know, I love, it's, uh, I love showing people what we do, and I think that's another... Uh, you know, when you look at the, the way the livestock industry has gone, and if I look back over the past 25, 30 years, when I started doing the, when we started doing the free range turkeys, we were the company that were quite happy to, when the press phones, when the newspapers, the magazine phoned us and said, can we come and see the turkeys? Of course you can. We'd love to show you, you know, come and we'll love to show you everything we'll do. We'll actually, you know, we'll pluck a turkey and we'll eat it. We'll do the whole, you will be immersed in the turkey experience. Well, if they phoned the bigger companies at that time, you know, the big commercial companies, there was kind of panic in the boardroom and, oh my God, they want to come and see what we do and, and have a look around our facilities and what are we going to do? And then they'd, you know, reach out to a big PR agency and say, don't show them a thing. And of course, it's those closed doors. And I am a, a, a passionate believer for farming that if you're not willing to show your customer what you do on the farm, and how you're processing your birds and how you're looking after them, if you're not willing to show your customer that, you have to ask yourself a serious question. Because are you really doing what your consumer wants? And to be honest, I think most farmers would love to be doing things a bit differently rather than the, the real intensive commercial way. But in between the farmer and the customer is the processing plant and the supermarket that is beating the farmer over the head with a big stick to get prices lower and lower and lower. And of course, then the consumer finds out these things and what's happening. Well, I don't want that. Well, the consumer was never privy to the information in the first place. It's just happened. And over the past 20, 30 years, they're thinking, oh my, that's happened. And they do this and that. And there's, you know, we now get to where we are now and, you know, wanting to go back in time a little bit. And, but, you know, please, I, I, I really don't want to shoot the industry because I think a lot, most of the industry do a really good job. And there are people out there that can't even begin to afford to buy one of our turkeys because they are very, very expensive. So we have to accept that, you know, farming has to feed the world. But there's a few too many shortcuts taken and a few things done that shouldn't really happen. And just for a few cents more, you can make a big difference. That's some good advice. Now, if somebody wants a Kelly Bronze turkey for this Thanksgiving, 
when should they order them? How far in advance do they need to be going online and ordering a wild turkey? Well, I mean, well, our website's open now. We're taking orders now for Christmas and we do FedEx direct to the door, um, direct to your home. Or on the website, there's a list of our stockists, you know, mainly on the East Coast. Um, but we, like I say, we FedEx it direct to your door or you can order one through the website. And um, every bird comes with a money-back guarantee. I come with every turkey and cook it for you on Thanksgiving Day. Clean the dishes. Do everything. <laughs> I don't really know. I hope that if I, <laughs> if I did do that, I really would hope that would sell one. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. What else do you want people to know about eating turkey or different ways to enjoy it? Is it truly just something for this fall and winter season? Is there a way that people can enjoy it other times of year? Yeah, no, I think the, th the thing is actually that the turkey that you get on a weekly basis in the supermarket, that's mature because they're growing those big tom turkeys to a very heavy weight. So they've actually, you know, they're mature and it's good meat. It's the Thanksgiving turkeys that are the issue because they're using a commercial breed and to get those smaller 12 pound, 13, 14 pound weights, they're having to harvest the bird at a very, very young age. Well, during the year, they don't have to do that. Yeah, so they're actually processing turkeys at a mature weight. So turkeys are wonderful meat. And I, you know, I, I don't like, I certainly don't say, it, it doesn't compete with chicken. You know, and you shouldn't liken it to chicken recipes. You know, I would liken it more to veal, to pork. You know, a turkey milanese or a turkey schnitzel. And you, and you make turkey burgers from the dark meat. The wonderful thing about turkey is yeah. the leg meat, because those weekly turkeys that are grown, the leg meat is very dark because they've been taken to typically 20 weeks. So the legs have done a lot, an awful lot of exercise, yeah? and it's the myoglobin that gives that dark meat color, and it's the myoglobin that brings that lovely, rich flavor to the leg meat. So making burger, whatever you do with lamb, chicken, pork, beef, you can do with turkey. But it, and it, of course, it is a very, very high in protein and lean meat. So it's a, it's a very versatile meat. And I eat, you know, it's obviously it's not just, it's, for me, it's not just for Thanksgiving or Christmas. It's every week of the year we eat turkey. It's a, it's a, it's a great product. I think and I want, just, one, one thing I'd like to say that, Whitney, yeah. if, you, if, if we talk, if you do look at the chicken nowadays, if you've noticed what's happened, the chicken has had the same genetic selection as turkey and typically there'll be 30 days now when they're processed and the leg meat is very much the same color now as the breast meat there's it not is. a lot of difference you don't get that rich dark chicken color leg like you would have done 25 years ago and that again is because they've been harvested at such a young age their leg muscles haven't had the energy they haven't had the movement and all the exercise to get that myoglobin and hemoglobin build up in the leg muscle to give it that dark colour because they're just so young. So, and of course, so chicken, you know, and chicken, it's, 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 a, it's a meat to carry flavour nowadays. There's not an awful lot of flavour in the meat unless you get you know, a chicken that is of a mature age and processed. And I think that's for everyone out there, a really a sign of good quality, mature poultry. If the leg meat is dark in colour, you're onto a winner there. You're starting from a good base because it's a mature bird. The older the bird, the better the flavor. So what size should people expect their wild turkey to come as? Because I definitely know in culinary school, 
we were told that we should be buying a bird that's around 14 pounds for Thanksgiving. And we should avoid large birds if we want to have a delicious experience for our clients. So I cooked a turkey last year that was a wild turkey that was 24 pounds and it came out beautifully. And so I'd love to know, and I'm sure the listener would, if they're going to order a wild turkey this year, what's the sizing they should expect? Well, I mean, if you, the, the size basically is, is the sex. You know, if you're going to get a, a truly wild turkey, then you're talking between 10 and 14 pounds, aren't you, for the hen? And anything over that is going to be a tom. Um, the, the problem with the wild turkey is you, when they're shot, you don't know how, how old that one is. And if it's a bird, once turkey goes beyond 30 weeks, it starts to ossify and it actually starts to get tougher mm-hmm. rather than tenderer. It will have more flavor, but it will start to get tougher. So if you get an, uh, a first season wild, wild, wild turkey, yeah, you're going to get a tender bird. And the, and the hens are going to be, like I say, 10 to 12 pound. And then you've got um, the toms are going to be 15 pound plus. Our Kelly bronze that are grown wild, they're the bronze feather turkey, of course, but the hens are going to be 10 to, 10 to 14, 15 pound. And then the toms are going to be 15 pound plus. And there's not, there's, there's no, there's, there's no difference in flavor. You know, there's a, the hens will tend to be, have a bit more fat on them. So they'll yeah. cook a little bit quicker. And you'll maybe get a little bit more fat and stock. But in terms of flavor of the meat, there isn't an awful lot of difference. But it's uh, but cooking, if you get a wild, wild turkey, and it's an older one, you, you do need to take that braising method and cook that bird long and slow to get the best out of it. And do you get to choose when you order online between a hen or a tom? Uh, well, if you really want a hen, order a 12-pounder. If you really want a tom, order 18-pound plus. That 14 to 16 pound, it could be a tom, it could be a hen. But, you know, then that's just the smaller ones. There's no discernible difference in flavor. That is fascinating. Good tip. I I do have a client who, you know, the grandmother always ordered hens, so I have to order a hen. You know, family tradition. They they eat the ladies. I know. I saw an old, uh, I was skipping through, actually in a retailer here in the UK, they were looking at the, their instructions, their buying guide, and they'd obviously just cut and pasted from something that, I don't know, is hundreds of years old, this book, because it said, look for a hen with a bright eye. Now, how many turkeys? <laughs> it's in a bag on the shelf. You can't see its eyes. I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> exactly. That is, that is a good one. Look for a hen with a bright eye. Um, yeah, you're going you're gonna to have to walk out in a forest somewhere if you're going to find exactly. her. That's great. I love that. I actually, I love looking at old cookbooks um, and old cooking guides like that. Um, I've gone to some, you know, old libraries and historical societies here in California just to see what I can find on that. And um, that's, that's a great tip. Well, where can people learn, keep learning about Turkey, keep learning about you guys and your bronze turkeys and your farm in Virginia and in in the UK? Well, we've got our website, kellybronze.com. That's a website, and we're keeping updating that all the time. But, you know, and uh, follow us on Insta. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook. You know, we're posting everything that we're doing. And uh, we, we've only been in America, really, for four or five years. And it's, uh, it's exciting because, actually, we are the only turkey company in the whole of the USA that does what we do, dry plucking and delayed evisceration. And for us to get our USDA license was, I say, Judd, back on the farm, he did the most amazing job because, you know, when we were going to the, 
um, the vets, USDA vets, they're saying, what, so you don't wash your turkey, you pluck it and you hang it, and never you do wash it. I mean, you've got to sterilize it and wash it and wash it and wash it. And we said, well, we can't do that. We know we don't want to take water away from it. And then you hang it with the intestines in. Oh my. And then when we said, but this is New York dressed turkey, this is the whole thing started here. Then, to be fair, the USDA put us into their innovations team. They did the science. They came down to see us, loved what we do. think it's absolutely amazing because we don't use water. You know, your average plant now uses thousands and thousands of gallons of water. And it's a, it's a problem, yeah, to supply a bigger factory with the water they need. We don't use water. So I, I am proud to say we are the only company in the whole of the USA doing delayed eviscerated New York dressed turkeys which is just that bolt on at the end that makes it extra special. And um, if you don't like your turkey, if you do get one, you get a money-back guarantee. I would like to talk to you personally, and you get a free turkey at Christmas. So we do, we do stand behind our product, let me put it that way. That is very, very generous, and I'm really excited to try your turkeys. And I just have loved learning more about how to buy turkey, how to look for turkey, how our turkey is living and growing. Um, I just think it's so important for us to know about our food staples. And I really appreciate what you guys yeah, no, are doing. No, thanks. But, you know, I do, I know, I will say for the consumer, it's a nightmare out there. You know, the, the range and choice of everything they have, you know, it's really difficult. Even I get confused sometimes when you look at everything that's on the shelves. What you've got to do is just go back and find that farmer that's doing the right thing, the perfect job um, and like what they do and, and then cook it properly. That's the biggest thing with turkeys as well. Well, thank you so much, Paul. I really appreciate it. Have a wonderful holiday season, whether you're enjoying this, you know, for Christmas or Thanksgiving in the UK. Thanks so much for having me on the show, Whitney. It's been an absolute pleasure. I hope I haven't bored you too much. <laughs> never, never. I could, I could go on and on. have many more questions, but we'll save that for another season. Great stuff. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Happy Thanksgiving. You too. Thank you for listening to this episode of the High Vibration Living Podcast. Please leave a five-star rating and review wherever you are tuning in from to help more listeners like and find this podcast. And if you really loved what you heard today, pay it forward and send this episode to a friend or loved one. For more Starseed Kitchen, visit starseedkitchen.com and follow us on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Be sure to pick up a jar of my high vibration foods, organic spices, which you can purchase on starseedkitchen.com. You can find me and follow along on my chef adventures on all your favorite social media channels at Whitney Aronoff. Thanks again for tuning in. Cheers to you and your health. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.